0: Welcome to Life Church. We are an X242 Community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through his word and by his spirit. So we're in the final week of Hebrews. Um, after next week, we'll start a brand new series. Um, so we are looking at Heart of Hope, chapter 3 in Hebrews. So we'll look at that in a second. So if you've got a Bible, you can start to turn to that. Now, Levi, my son, he loves to run, okay? Not just short distances, but Levi, he loves to do long distance running. He loves cross country, And it's only something we realized a couple of years ago. We realized he never got out of breath, and he would just do laps and loops and just keep on going. And he ran for his primary school in a race with, you know, just over um, 80, 85 boys his age. And he came ninth, you know, with no training or anything like that. And we thought, wow, this boy loves to run. But before each race, something me and Lucas have to do is, and he knows this, we have to give him a pep talk. So before a race, you'll hear us saying things like, if you get tired, keep going. <laughs> if someone's in front of you or someone takes over you, don't worry, just keep going. If you become, as you hit the end, all right, okay, if you become to kind of, oh, I can't do this, oh, just slow down. Don't. Just keep on going till you hit through that finished line. Because when we keep going at something, we learn something called perseverance. That's keeping going until you get to the finish line. And the Bible uses this word perseverance in relation to our faith. When we start out as new Christians, sometimes the the change in who we are, that the journey in following Jesus is so different from what we ever expected that sometimes we can find ourselves thinking this is all too new and we can slip back into some of our old ways. And we do that because that's what we've always known. But the Bible tells us to persevere, to keep going in our new life in Jesus Christ. And the book of Hebrews, that was written primarily to Jews who'd become Christians. And they kept slipping back to their old customs and their old habits simply because sometimes it just got too hard in following Jesus. And one of the things they kept slipping back in was following the laws of Moses. Because they still couldn't quite grasp and quite believe the freedom and hope that could be found in Jesus. And so the author of Hebrews keeps reminding them, listen, Moses is not your savior. And so to begin with, chapter 3, the writer begins to address this. He says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters... Now, that's us if we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, okay? He says, who share in the heavenly calling. And that's the moment that God broke through into our life and took hold of us with His truth and His love. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, okay? So it's nothing about what we've done, who we are. So that means we can have complete confidence in Jesus. And then he says, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Apostle is the one who was sent from heaven to earth to reveal God to us. And he's our high priest because he became that final sacrifice guaranteeing forgiveness of sins and eternity with God forever. And so the reason that your hope and my hope and confidence can be firm, it doesn't depend on us being perfect. It doesn't depend on our righteousness. Because if it did, none of us, and I mean absolutely none of us in this room today would have any hope at all. Our hope and our confidence is completely on Jesus. So that's why verse 1 says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. And if the writer, if he's reminding us to do that, then there must mean that sometimes there's the potential to forget where our hope lies. There's the potential to let other things become the focus in our lives. There's a potential for our hearts to become hardened, which can lead us to drift away from the Word of God. Now, Imagine our lives, or rather our mind, is like that compass. And imagine walking into a field full of magnets. What will happen? Well, each magnet, it will pull the needle away from north. It'll go one side, it'll move it to the other side, and it will be going all over the place. And there are times in your life and my life when we need the needle of our life to persevere and to keep us fixed on Jesus as our North Pole. We need our mental life to to keep keep going the same direction. We have to keep working at it to bring our mind back to the center, to bring it back to the North throughout the day in our lives because our mind sometimes can make us think that things aren't as real as they actually are and it can keep wave goes from side to side side to side and we have to work at it to bring our mind back to north so we need to fix our minds on jesus because jesus he's our revelation from god and he's our reconciliation to god We need to hear from God, that's our revelation, so that we know what he's like, what his purposes are for the world, and and what he requires of you and me. And we need a way to God, that's our reconciliation. We need to hear from God so that we know what he is like. We need that reconciliation, we need a way to God, because we can't do it in our Verse 2 says, Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. The Jews, they revered Moses so much. Moses was the one who led them as a nation out of captivity. He'd parted the waters across the sea. He led them to safety. He'd led them as a nation for 40 years in the desert. Moses heard words from God. He wrote them down, and they lived by them, and they have, had done for hundreds of years. And the writer here, he says, listen, Moses was completely faithful in the things that God asked of him, but he's still a man just like us. It's only Jesus in that we can have complete hope in. Verse 3 says, this is why we can have complete hope. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. Now, if we needed a house built, I wouldn't go and hire a gardener. I wouldn't go and hire a painter. I would need a builder. Because if there's no builder, there won't be a house. And so what is the author trying to tell us? He's saying, listen, Moses as great as he was, as amazing as the things that he did, and listen, he even had conversations with God, Moses was still just a servant in God's house. He was just a part of God's house. Whereas Jesus, Jesus is the builder of the house. And Jesus is to the people of God, to the church, the way the builder is to the house. Because with no builder, there is no house. I heard this story this week. Behind me on the screen is some images of decathlon contestants. And you know those decathlon contestants, they 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 have lots of different things, isn't it, that they have to do, you know, to kind of kind of get their medals and that kind of stuff. And the story goes that one night, a group of them were bragging about who was the greatest decathlon contestant. And and Jesus is also a contestant, and he sat in the room with them. And one contestant says, I can throw the javelin further than any of you, so I'm the greatest. Another says, well, I can jump higher than any of you, so actually I'm the greatest. And then another spouts in, well... I put the shot further than anyone else in the room, so I am the greatest. And another says, well, I jumped further than all of you, so I'm the greatest. And eventually, they turn and they look at Jesus sat in the corner, sat in his tracksuit, and he sat there calmly. And someone says, so what about you, Jesus? And Jesus replies, well, I made all of you, so actually, I'm the greatest, And the author of Hebrews, listen, he's reminding the Christians that Jesus is worthy of much more glory and honor than Moses. Because not only did he build the house, Jesus made Moses. And so in Jesus, we can have complete confidence and hope because Jesus is our apostle. He's the revealed word of God to us. And he's our high priest, our reconciliation to God, our way to God. And so the the greater and more glorious that Jesus is, the greater we can have hope and confidence in him. The Bible reminds them to persevere. Persevere. Have you ever been in two minds about something? You know, you're kind of picking out colours for your kitchen wall. Shall I use duck egg or burgundy brown? You know, that kind of thing. One minute you're kind of thinking one, and then the next minute it's the other, and oh, actually this one, and maybe that one, and, and you're kind of like this. There's only one thing in my life I'm like that, and it's not about paint colours, because I really don't actually care. I just say, Lucas, pick one. I'm, I'm really not bothered in that way. The thing I I waver on is picking food from a menu in a restaurant, okay? And it's not because I'm a picky eater, it's because I see so much beautiful food. I actually want to try it all. All right, that's what, but I can't. I know I've got to pick one dish. And so through my mind, There are a few things that go through and I'm looking at a menu. One of them is I want to try something I have never tried before because why come back and always eat the same thing? How boring is that? But then I'm thinking, oh, but, Sarah, you need to be healthy. Is that going to be a healthy choice? Because you did have that and that and that the last two days, so maybe you need a a healthier option. And then I'm thinking, yeah, but I want flavor. I want something that I'm going to eat and go, whoa, that took my brain off. Like, that was amazing. I want flavor in my food. And all this keeps going round, and I'm, I'm that item. No, I'll have that one. Oh, but there's that one. And, and I just keep going round and round in a circle. And finally, until the waiter comes to me, and he says, so what are you going to choose? And I just then randomly just go, uh, uh, and I'll come up with the same thing I've always like, had before. And if I'm at an in India, it's probably like the mango chicken or something. And it's always the same. And I'm thinking, oh, but I wanted something new. I wanted some, And I'm just wavering around. But when we waver in our faith, Wavering in our faith, there's so much more different consequences. Because wavering in our faith means we're drifting. It means we're neglecting. We're letting things slip. And it's the complete opposite of perseverance. So we read that in verse 6, the writer of Hebrews just says, listen, if we don't persevere in our faith, we can be in danger of wavering in our faith in, and co- um, wavering in our confidence in Jesus. And this is what he says. It says, but Christ is faithful as the son of over God's house. And we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So. We're going to look at a couple of things that can cause us to drift or waver in our faith if we give them space in our lives and allow them to do it. The first thing is discontentment. You know, if we think about it, sometimes in our lives there's always something we haven't quite got something that we think we need it could be material things it could be personal relational things it could be emotional things we could maybe oh I wish I had that I really want something like that if if I had this that would be better if if I had a car or if I had a better job I could do there's always this discontent we we strive or we always want more And so that means that we're we're not satisfied with what we've been given. We're not satisfied with the things that we have. There's a theologian, a theologian um, called Albert Moeller, and I I hope I've pronounced his name right. And he says this, he says, today's entire commercial economy is built on a foundation that not only encourages us to have what we want, but to want what we do not have. We're encouraged to have what we want. So if you want it, get it. If you want that, go for it. If you want it, do it. But if you haven't got it or you get it, listen, want more. Always want more. Always want more. Where have we heard that before? Right back in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis. Adam and Eve. They've been given so much by God. They've been given complete control over the garden. They've been called to to work it and to name the animals and to live with it, to eat whatever they can desire. Just accept one tree. And what does Satan, the enemy, he comes along and he says, you can have all of this, but don't you actually want that? That one thing. You can have all of this, but you know what? This is even better. And he begins to sow those seeds of discontentment into their minds. And as they allowed that seed to take hold of them, we see that sin came in and took over. And the discontentment in the life of you and I, it creeps in when we're not satisfied with God Being discontented takes place when we become jealous of others. We complain and grumble about the things we don't have. We may become bitter. We may even compare ourselves to others. And when we allow discontentment a bigger voice in our lives, if it becomes bigger than the truth of God's word, if it becomes bigger than our hope and our confidence in Jesus, we open a door to let discontentment creep into our lives. And so the Bible gives us some ways that we can fight discontentment. They're on the screen there. It says, "For jealousy and selfishness, they're not part of God's wisdom." So, "Hey, if you find yourself being jealous, stop it. Be content with what you have." How do we fight selfishness? Serve, give away, don't hold on. Use what you have to bless others. Philippians, do everything without complaining and argue. Find a joy in doing things. Another verse in Philippians, count others more significant about yourself. We're told the world tells us, put yourself first. Put yourself first. You're number one. And God's ways are, do you know what? Prefer each other. Prefer other people above yourself. And Ephesians there, be kind and forgive each other. Why? Because Christ forgave you. The second thing that, we can, that can cause us to drift or waver in our faith is disremembering. Disremembering, I've never heard of that word before. But actually, disremembering just means the opposite of remembering. And time and time again in the Old Testament, we read how the people of God, they they would get into trouble. And so what they would do is they would call out to God. He would save them. And they'd go, thank you, God, so much. Carry on with their lives. And they'd soon forget about God again. And guess what? They'd get into trouble. And then they'd call out to God and say, God, please save us. And God would say, of course I'll save you. You're my people. I love you. He would pick them up. He would save them. Life would be great, I guess what? They would forget again. And round and round, this circle in their lives, it would go. And for us as Christians, disremembering is forgetting what Christ has done for us. It's saying yes to Jesus, but then the moment a storm arrives in our lives, we begin to make decisions like we have no hope, We forget where our confidence can be found and we start to do things our own way and in our own strength. So the Bible encourages us to remember and remind each other who Jesus is. He is the reason for your hope and my hope. And we're to hold firmly to our faith in Jesus no matter what comes across our path. Some verses there. Jesus said, He took bread when he'd given thanks. He broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That's why we break bread. We remember Jesus died on the cross for us. John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus, these are his words. Believe in God, believe also in me. In the Psalms, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget The good things he does for me. And then finally, disconnection. You know, one of the worst things we can do as Christians, okay, is to disconnect from Jesus and other Christians, especially when, especially when it's getting a little bit hard. Things are getting a little bit tough and a little bit difficult. And we can try all our, our best not to do it, because our life can be going great, our walk with God can be going strong, we see him moving in the big things and the little things of our life, and then all of a sudden, it just all feels a little bit stale, there's no clear direction and our prayers become inconsistent, we maybe stop reading our Bible, we're not feeling it, turning up to church, maybe we start to feel lonely, we start to feel sad, and we can't find that joy that we once felt. And sometimes even sin in our lives can do that to us, that it creates that barrier between us and God. And if we allow disconnection from Christians and from Jesus to creep in, it begins to breed apathy in our lives. But the truth is, even if you and I feel completely distant from God, God is never far from us. In Romans, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate you and me from the love of God. Nothing. Think of the worst thing ever. It cannot separate you from the love of God. In Psalm 139, it says, there's no place that we can go to run away from God. You know, it says, if I run to the tops of the hills, he's there. If I run to the lowest valley, God's there. If I go into the deepest, darkest sea, he's there. God is everywhere he's always guiding us he will always hold us he is always near in Luke chapter 15 there's a great parable a story that Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son and in it it completely reveals God's attitude and heart towards us he's the father in the story he longs to be close to his child. He runs out to meet his child. So if ever we find ourselves in a place thinking, God doesn't love me. God would never accept me back. God, he just, he just wouldn't want anything to do with me after what I've said, after what I've done. Reread that story to remind yourself of the truth of God's heart and his attitude towards you. You know, the text concludes by saying, we are his house. In other words, we are his people. And an evidence of us being part of God's household is that we don't throw away our hope. And when we begin to waver, we quickly get back on track and hold firmly to our hope and our confidence in Jesus See, being a Christian is, despite everything going on around us, is living out that hope and that confidence, it being an evidence in your life and my life. To finish now, we're going to watch a video. And um, in this video, in fact, I'm not going to explain it. I'm going to let explain itself. It is the testimony, a story of a Christian, okay? Now, at the end of it, we'll pause, there'll be some silence, and I want you to talk to God. Maybe you want to give your life to Jesus, say, Jesus, I want to put my hope and confidence in you. Maybe you've seen yourself, you're wavering, and you'll say, God, bring me back on track. I want to hold firmly on to you. There might be other ways you want to respond this morning. I just want to give us, after the end of the video, just two minutes just to respond in our hearts. Thank you, guys
1: life can be so unpredictable joys and sorrows beautiful blessings and distressing difficulties can come unexpectedly our life's dreams and plans can change in an instant we all know this to be true so how can we find peace amid such turbulence horatio spafford knew something about life's unexpected challenges He was a successful attorney and real estate investor who lost a fortune in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Around the same time, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking a vacation would do his family some good, he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England, planning to join them after he finished some pressing business at home. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, The ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. More than 200 people lost their lives, including all four of Horatio Spafford's precious daughters. His wife Anna survived the tragedy. Upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband that began, Saved Alone. What shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England. At one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy that had struck the Spafford family, summoned Horatio to tell him that they were now passing over the spot where the shipwreck had occurred. As Horatio thought about his daughters, words of comfort and hope filled his heart and mind. He wrote them down, and they have since become a well-beloved hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Perhaps we cannot always say that everything is well in all aspects of our lives. There will always be storms to face, and sometimes there will be tragedies. But with faith in a loving God and with trust in His divine help, we can confidently say, It is well. It is well with my soul. Life can be so unpredictable. Joy-
0: okay. So let's just spend two minutes, all right? How you want to respond to that? Man, they went through great tragedy. And yet, he didn't waver in his hope and his faith and his confidence in Jesus Christ. He learned to trust God through it. Lord, I thank you today that we can put our hope and our faith in you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you will never let us down. You are our firm foundation. Lord, I pray for everyone here in this room today. Whatever comes our way, whatever happens, help us to be unwavering in our faith, Lord. Help us to hold truly to you, Lord, help us to, to know who you are in those times, Father. Help us to remember that we're saved by you. When You died on the cross. You died so that we could be forgiven for the wrong things that we've done. So that we could have that, that reconciliation, that, that relationship with God. We thank you, Lord, for your kindness, your goodness, and, our, and your grace towards us all. Amen we've come to the end of this week's message we hope you've been impacted and inspired keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchority.com